Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Good to see all of you and a welcome to our visitors that are with us today. Appreciated the service so far, things that were shared. You can uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, and our text today is verses 7 to 11, 1 John 2, 7 to 11. <clears throat> the Apostle John writing says this, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. But an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. If you are able, maybe we could stand together and have a brief prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this assembly today. Thank you for all that are present here. Ask a blessing on each one. Also for anyone who would have desired to be here but were not able, Lord, ask a blessing on them as well. That uh, they would also find spiritual nourishment and encouragement. And Father, today as we look at... uh, A few verses of scripture from the heart of the Apostle John, from your heart through John to us. Father, thank you. Thank you for, again, that we have the word of God readily available to us. Thank you that we have the freedom to gather and teach and be taught and be edified and be encouraged. Bless our time together here again this morning. And give us understanding, Father, according uh, to your heart and will. Father, help us to not uh, interpret scriptures to our own benefit, but for uh, as you intended them, and to be able to uh, profit from the exhortations that the scriptures give us. So bless this hour, Father, we pray, commit our, commit our uh, ways to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so I've titled today's message, The Price of Love, and uh, we'll get to that a bit more toward the end of the message. Um, 
So John, in uh, some ways, you know, you just take these two verses, you might wonder if he's contradicting himself or what. Uh, He says, I write no new commandment unto you. And then he says again, a new commandment I write unto you. I'd like to read um, verse 7 and 8 in the ESV. Just comes across a little bit uh, different there. Reads as follows, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is a word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing unto you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past away and the true light now shineth. The the King James kind of separates the two a bit, while this one kind of carries the thought through a little bit. At, uh, at the same time, it is a new commandment, kind of connects the two kind, uh, together somewhat. Uh, which I think is good and is actually uh, right. So I'd like to uh, start out by asking a question, is it a new commandment or not? (laughs) Um, And just uh, maybe uh, think about that just a little bit. And if it is uh, a new commandment, how is it new? Uh, uh, So Jesus says these words in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So Jesus uses that uh, very phrase as well, a new commandment I give unto you. Um, Is it new? And if so, how is it new? In Leviticus 19.18, the Old Testament exhorted the people of God this way, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Um, Is that different than what we just read there in John 13.34, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another? Um, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt not avenge, shalt not bear a grudge against the children of thy people. <clears throat> so, is it new or isn't it? Jesus says it's new. John first says it isn't new, and then he says it is new. Um, I don't know if I'll answer it thoroughly, probably won't answer it completely, but uh, let me read Matthew 5, 21 and 22, and I'll also read that in the ESV. It says, You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and now here we're quoting the, the uh, Ten Commandments, and whosoever, whoever murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whosoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. 
and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell fire. So there, uh, when we quote the commandment, you shall not murder, uh, Jesus clearly raised the bar on that one. But when we quote uh, Leviticus 19.18, you shall not avenge, you shall not uh, bear any grudge against the children of thy people, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, That's getting close. That's getting close to uh, New Testament teaching, isn't it? You know, how, if it's new, how is it new? Is it a new commandment or not? I guess I'm going to suggest it is a, a new definition to the commandment. And, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, and that's perhaps uh, explaining how, how it is new. Jesus, again, quoting John 13:34, Jesus says this. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. Now, if he would stop right there we would have basically what Leviticus said. Uh, But Jesus continues. He says that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. In that way, I believe Jesus is uh, redefining um, this concept to us as uh, New Testament believers. In Ephesians 5, and maybe you could turn there just to uh, read that scripture. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. This is Paul giving us the same concept that John and Jesus have been giving us. Paul says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So, Paul clearly uh, lifts up Jesus as the example of love. And what love looks like. what uh, How New Testament love is to be defined. He uh, lifts up the Lord Jesus and what Jesus did for us. And that's, uh, that's what Jesus himself actually said. As I have loved you. And in John 15 verse 12 and 13. Jesus says these words. Uh, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, Now, as I was studying that, and this might be just a little bit of a side note, as I was thinking about that verse there in John uh, 15, Verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Um, Is that actually conveying the, uh, is that verse actually conveying the, the 
greatest dimension of love. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Didn't uh, Paul, was it Paul, was it in Romans, where he said that, uh, talks about people being willing to die and die for their friends. But, and I'm not, uh, I didn't look it up and I'm not uh, getting it accurately in my mind, but uh, uh, word for word, but the idea that uh, uh, Christ died for us while we were his enemies uh, and that people will dare to die for a friend. But uh, anyhow, uh, another thing that verse could convey that Jesus could be conveying is simply that he was conveying to his disciples and to his his uh, his uh, followers that they are his friends, uh, and Jesus actually said that himself in one play in one of the scriptures that uh, that uh, his disciples are his friends. So how is it new? Christ defines love to us by his own example. Um, in that way, I believe it is actually very new as opposed to the uh, uh, what uh, was instructed to the people of God in the Old Testament. Christ defines love by the example of his own life. His love for us for us as human beings, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love for us resulted in him laying down his life and everything. And we'll look at that more thoroughly later. But his love for us resulted in him laying down his life for us. Not not while we were his friends, not while we were his Followers, but while we were his enemies, while we were uh, in sin and in darkness, his love was not based on any worthiness on our part. He didn't give his life. He didn't love to the extent of laying down his life because there was something great about us. There was something very worthy about us. There was actually nothing worthy about us. There was nothing good about us. We were defiant to God. We were defiant to God's plan. We were defiant to God's leadership in our lives. We were uh, doing our own thing and we were loving doing our own thing. And I'm saying that about us as a human people, as a human race. And uh, unfortunately, it's easy to still live that way. But that's who we were. And it's at that time that Christ uh, loved us and laid down his life for us. And then he calls us to that same example of love. Which I confess is actually difficult to define in human words. But we will try a little bit. But he calls us. To that same example of love. So in that way. It is a new commandment. uh, To to love. The way that Jesus loved. And 
we'll, uh, we'll define this and look at it in more detail as we go. So the next uh, thought I'd like us to consider is, as we think about this love, is this love a feeling slash posture of our heart or is it actions? So if we, uh, we say that if we consider our hearts and we consider, do I love like Jesus loved? So what do I look for? Do I look and see if my, my attitude and posture of heart is something that resembles uh, what Jesus had? Or do I look and see if my actions resemble what Jesus, uh, what uh, love should look like? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, the scripture says this, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. So, from this scripture, we can see that uh, you can actually have some actions that would appear to be love-filled actions, but there's no love in the heart at all that produced those actions, and the Scripture tells us those actions have zero value in this particular example of Scripture. So, we can't just uh, go all the way to the side of examining the actions and decide, okay, uh, I've got some right actions here, so I guess I've got love. You know, you can, you can actually, well, you can actually, you can actually try to give a pretense of something when it's not reality in your heart, and that's what I believe this scripture is going after. Uh, to give a pretense of something that's not reality in our heart is, a, is, has, has little worth, little, no value. <clears throat> what about when we know what is the right response, the loving way to respond, the loving way to uh, respond in this situation, but our heart is not there. <laughs> our heart is struggling with the with the matter did Jesus ever experience that let's uh let's turn to mark 14 gospel of mark Mark 14, we'll read verse 32 to 36. And they came to a place which, is, which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. 
and he went a little further and he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Now think about Jesus there for a bit. Uh, He understood very clearly what was ahead of him. He understood very clearly the the right path forward. He understood it. But at that moment, was his heart there? You know, it's actually quite clear that he was, while he understood exactly what needed to happen, as he came face to face with it, And I'm just going to admit, I don't understand. He's the Son of God. He's in flesh. He's been doing the will of God the whole way through. And yet, at that moment, I suppose it's probably, um, it's probably for us that Jesus was, uh, in this kind of a situation. Because it does, the scripture does tell us he was, Tempted in all points like as we are. And so he felt in his humanness, he felt what we feel in life situations. And if he wouldn't have been able to, if he wouldn't have been in a situation where he could feel what we feel, the scripture couldn't say that he was tempted in all points like as we are. And so somehow this dynamic was a very real part of his experience. And as he faced it, his heart wrestled with what what's going to be happening in the next number of hours. He says, All things are possible unto thee, and each gospel, most gospels have this recorded, and the wording is a little different in different places. And I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to make a big deal of specific wording, but uh, in this particular gospel, he says, Take away this cup from me. But then he says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. So at that point, his heart's will would be that this cup could actually be removed. That there could possibly be a different pathway is what he is wrestling with. So... Jesus wrestles and prays. And then verse 37, he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Pray ye and enter, uh, watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they how what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Um, some of the other Gospels give more detail, but uh, uh, 
one of the things, and perhaps I should have chosen one of the other Gospels that show the ending of Christ's posture of heart a bit more. Uh, without a doubt, Christ was able to come to the place in his heart where he was, uh, he found total rest and peace going forward in his heart. And there was no flinching from there forward. He yielded his will to the will of the Father, and there was at that once he once he uh, found that rest, there was no there was no flinching uh, going forward anymore. You know that kind of a battle is is a is a kind of battle that probably all of us face at times in life. We come up against situations that are that are difficult, and we know what the biblical response would be but our hearts are not there and we wrestle and we wrestle you know that's not wrong to wrestle it's not wrong when it becomes a problem is when we refuse to wrestle when we refuse to face this heart that does not want to yield to the will of God Well, we don't want to face this truth that is before me, and I just don't want to face it. That's when it becomes a problem. If we face it and we wrestle with it, that's not a problem. If we wrestle till we get through, that's where we want to go, yielding our heart to the will of God. Jesus is an example of that to us. So if our heart isn't there, We know what's right. We understand the scriptures. We know what we should do. We know what would be the biblical response. But we're wrestling in our heart. You know, if we're wrestling, is there ever a time to actually... uh, You know... uh, I don't know how you found it in life, but the, the, the line isn't always crystal clear. You know, it's, you, you don't always wrestle through something and boom, you get to the other side and now your heart's ready <laughs> and now you can do it. What if your heart is wrestling and, and sometimes it feels like you are over the edge and you have accepted what God is, you brought your heart along and, 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 but then the next hour, uh, two days later, you don't feel that way anymore. You know, those are realities. Is it ever right to actually, by faith, respond in a right way with right actions, even though the heart is struggling? Is it ever, you know, or are we now going back to 1 Corinthians, where if the heart isn't there, then the actions are... I don't, th- I, mean, I don't think these two compare quite. I think it's right when we are wrestling with our hearts, and we are wrestling to bring our heart along in... in uh, the response of love that the Bible calls us to, that we would actually, uh, in a sense, it could even be a discipline to our heart. You know, we actually, as our heart is wrestling, we actually intentionally do the right thing in order to urge our heart to, to move forward in this matter, you know. I think it's a, it's a right, to, can be a right way to respond, and it's an effort to... Uh, 
deal with the struggle that's going on in our hearts and not wanting to accept what God has called us to in in the matter of loving uh, loving responses. <clears throat> You know, an example could be if someone has offended us and they apologize for their mistakes and we're still struggling with the offense. Is it okay to push ourselves to communicate clear forgiveness even if our heart is still wrestling with the offense? I think it can be. I think it can be a healthy discipline of the heart to actually kind of Deal that selfish heart that is <clears throat> hanging on, discipline it a bit, and just force yourself to reach out and communicate clear forgiveness as a as an effort to bring your heart along in the matter. And hey, every situation is different, but I think it's something to think about. Can be a right uh, effort. And then, what about uh, another aspect? Would be what about saying or slash thinking that we do love, but there are no actions that follow. Scripture speaks about that as well in First John, going back to First John again. First John. 3, verse 16. Verse 16 through verse 18. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good... And seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, just uh, looking back over that scripture a little bit. So, John says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Hereby, we can understand it, is basically what he's saying. We can understand the love of God by what God did, by the fact that he laid down his life for us. It, if God would have sat, uh, God and Jesus would have sat there in heaven and said to us, I, we love you, we love you, we love you, but never did anything to reach out and help us out of our dilemma, would we have believed that he loves us? Reality is, eventually, that message that God loves us would have been an empty message. But the fact that God sent his son, his son laid down his life, It communicates something to us. It communicates powerfully the love of God to us. And so, if we are in a situation and we we are challenged here in this scripture by John that 
if we say slash think that we love, but we close our heart to opportunities to express that love in in caring and and reaching out and we have what is needed in a given situation. You know, you can you can put a lot of things into that given situation. It can be uh, like this. He uses material uh, aid where someone has a need. But I think uh, that's only an example. Uh, life in general, uh, we as human beings have, uh, we're, we're made up with a multitude of needs, really. Uh, and someone else, getting back to the devotional this morning, you know, you and I all have the opportunities to meet someone else's varied needs in different ways, different situations, different levels of appropriateness and all those things, but there's ways we can meet people's needs. If we know that we we understand the need and uh, we realize that it would take a sacrifice on our part and we decide it's not worth a sacrifice, how does the love of God in us? If we say that we love and we think that we love, but there's no action coming from that love, then uh, John challenges us that There's uh, something to be considered, to be looked at in our life and experience. So we're exhorted not to just think or profess to love, but to actually be moved to loving action. Um, And again, that's qualified for the situation. You know, I can... uh, I can provide some loving uh, elements. I'm going to use the word elements to my wife, to my children. That wouldn't be appropriate to some other people, but in the context. And if I would, uh, if I withhold those elements when they're in my power to give, but I say I love, do I love? Do I really love? So there's yeah a lot of definition that could be given to all of that. <clears throat> so we just one more thought here before we actually consider the price of love, and that is, is love optional? Is love optional? Uh, going back to our original text there in. 1 John 2, verse 9 to 11. Just reading that again. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So, that scripture is quite forward. Um, it says, He that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is actually in darkness, and he that loves his brother abides in the light. So, 
the question is, uh, that I'd ask is, is love optional? Well, if I say yes, love is optional. Uh, is that a correct answer? Well, it depends on whether you want to be a disciple of Jesus or not. That's actually what it depends on. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then love is not optional. If you don't really care about being a disciple of Jesus, then love, I guess, can be optional. Like verse 11 says, He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness. You know that word hate, the definitions that I, just a very brief definition is basically, uh, Bruce Strong gave this word, to detest. To detest. And I think we all know what the word detest means. We, maybe, maybe another word would be despise, but detest and despise are actually a little different. Uh, yeah, they're similar, but they're, yet they're a little bit different. If I detest my brother, I'm walking in darkness. And I don't know where I'm going because darkness hath blinded my eyes. You know, can we read that personally that way? If I detest my brother, if I detest my fellow man, I'm walking in darkness. You know, it's, it's, you think about, uh, you think about the situations that come up, they come up in church life, they come up in family life, uh, there, you know, you hear from time to time of families of, Brothers that won't talk to each other in a family, that uh, family feuds, and and uh, I've I've heard things as strong as one sibling saying of another that I'll never forgive, and those kind of things. And uh, and in the context of professed Christian people, these those those things exist. These scriptures leave no room for error on those kinds of goings. And those are the kind of examples where uh, if, if you're, you know, if you ever find yourself in a dilemma like that where you're just, there's just de- detestation in your heart towards someone, follow Jesus' example and go to the garden and go to the place of prayer and wrestle with God until God gives you freedom from that detestation that is in your heart. It's the only hope. It's the only answer. Uh, of ourselves, we, we are not equipped of ourselves to deal with some of these difficulties that life meets out. That's why we have the Lord. That's why we have Jesus and the power of the Spirit and, and His grace working in our hearts to do the things that are impossible for us to do. And reality is, we do come up against things in life that are impossible for us to do. And uh, 
you don't want to carry those kind of things to your grave. You know, those kind of unresolved issues where there's the, uh, the idea that we can love God, but somehow I can, I can have, detest this person in my life. I can hate him. I can detest him or her, but I love God. Scripture doesn't give us any room for that. <clears throat> All right, let's see, where was I here? Okay, yes, is love optional? You know, it really isn't. Uh, for disciples of Jesus, love is not optional. Now, the closing thoughts are the last Part of the message here, I'd like to think a little bit about the price of love. Again, 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And again, just going back to uh, John 15, uh, verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So, let's just consider the question this morning. uh, Maybe two questions. One of them is, what does it mean to lay down our lives? And what are our lives? What is it that we're actually laying down? So let's think about that first. What are our lives? So uh, Jesus laid down his life for us. Uh, we are called to lay down our lives for the brethren. What are our lives? So, our lives are our plans, our goals, our dreams, our time, our energy, our resources, our possessions, our money. Our future might even be our reputation. If we have, uh, if the idea of wanting to be considered uh, held in esteem, we might need to lay down our reputation. And I don't know, that, that's definitely not all inclusive. I tried to think of the different words, the different ideas that would encompass a life. You know, our life. Uh, what, what all could it contain? Because if we're laying down our life, it's everything that our life might consist of. And so, laying it down, what does that mean? Well, it simply means to, to lay down, to let go of, to surrender, to put aside all those things that were listed for the purpose of 
the need of the hour. You know, whatever that is. You know, what did Jesus lay down? He laid down all of the above, didn't he? He laid down his plans, his goals, and he, his dreams, his will, his time, his energy, his resources, his possessions, uh, money. He probably didn't have much. His future, his reputation. He laid it all down. Uh, and he laid it all down. Because he loved us. It was love for us that caused him to lay that all down in order to give his life as a sacrifice to benefit us unlovely creatures. He laid it all down just for us. And so then I'd like to... uh, and this, this was a provoking thought to me, and I'd like to ask us this question. What have you and I, what have I laid down recently in my life's experience in order to love in a biblical way? What have I laid down? What have I uh, needed to lay down, surrender, give up uh, in order to effectively love the way God calls us to love in a given situation. I have a part of a scripture here and I'm I failed to put the reference to it but it says this because he laid down his life for us we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So it's Again, it's that example of what he did for us that calls us to do the same. Does love have a price? Is there ever a need to lay something down in my life in order to to love someone else the way God calls me to love? Is there ever a need to lay down something of myself, of my life? And if so, yeah, do I do that? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to lay down my life? Do we love whatever the cost? Or do we love when it's convenient? Or when we feel like it? The price of love. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Quoting 1 John 2, 7 and 8 again in the ESV. Beloved, I am writing no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing unto you, 
why or how it is which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passed away and the true light is already shining. Because of Jesus, this commandment is new. Because of the example that Jesus gives us, this commandment is new. Uh, the price of love. So I'd like to encourage us with that. Um, life is real, and I am supposing that most of us have at some point, and uh, the Lord grants life will again at some point face tests in our love. And uh, God, uh, God encourages us, the scripture encourages us, How to, how to respond and to, uh, yeah, to look to Jesus as an example of how he loved us when we need help in understanding how we ought to love one another. Perhaps if we're able, let's kneel together and we'll close with prayer. <clears throat> Again, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the scriptures that have been preserved down through the ages. Thank you also again, Father, for the freedom to gather and to be taught. Thank you that our governments allow this. And we pray that it could continue. Father, also pray uh, a blessing on each of us here today. You, you're the one who understands each of our journey. You're the one who knows what uh, situation each of us may be facing even at this moment. Father, I pray that the scriptures and the Holy Spirit would minister to us in our varied needs and that we could come out on the victory side like Jesus did. Come out on the side of uh, surrender and yieldedness to Christ, to your will, and uh, see the gospel uh, beautified and glorified through uh, obedient lives. Father, bless us, each of us, to that end, give us grace, courage, and strength to uh, pursue hard after you, Lord, and your kingdom and your will. So thank you again, Father. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for uh, the many places in uh, this land and across the world where people are gathered today, where the word of God is preached. Lord, uh, be jealous over your truth and uh, Bring it uh, to bear upon the hearts of humanity and help people to uh, hear and understand the word and uh, to follow and uh, walk in your ways. So again, Father, commit our ways to you. Be with us and bless and keep us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.